You're listening to the God of Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Gotham Podcast. We have a quite a treat in in the store. In store, we, we have a treat in store for our listeners today, as you can hear already. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a quick little recap of the 24 episode that just aired, and then we'll we'll spend the rest of the time on on the Super Bowl. Uh, what was the was it the twelve to one hour today or was it one p.m. to two p.m. something like that, right? Yeah, somewhere around one, I think. Yeah, it was around one. It was a it was a pretty good episode. I liked it. Uh, I know some people didn't like that silent count and the previous episode, but what'd you think? No opinion. No opinion. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> one uh, the really I I think the one of the big scenes was the murder of the woman in the apartment. Are we just, are we just ruining the show for anybody that hasn't seen it? Is that... If you haven't seen it by now, then you're never going to see it. Because by the time, the, by the time like, you re- realistically download this, it's, it's Wednesday and you've had all of Tuesday to watch it on your DVR if you didn't watch it live. And, you know, that's too bad. It's too bad. Anyway, what I wanted to say was when uh, you know when the president, the president's husband, jumps off the ledge with the uh, the assistant, secret service I'll, guy, the secret service guy. Yeah, I love how he has no feeling in his body, so the secret service guy like feels all the pain, and he he feels no pain. That's that's one of those times where it's it's good to have no feeling in your entire body. Not to mention he just fell on top of him. Yeah, that that's it's the double whammy. It's the floor below you and the big old guy on top of you who can feel nothing of course yeah but the thing is he kind of passed out right after so i wonder he looks right now he looks extremely guilty with the fingerprints on the knife and he having just strangled the uh secret service guy so but all you have to do is go and tell him to do a blood test as soon as they arrest you or, yeah you know. yeah he's got to get he's got to get a urine test or one of those things to explain that he was drugged exactly and he also the president's husband also knows that there's another Secret Service guy in on it. At least so, one more, yeah. At least one more, because he made that call. So, yeah. but and, I, what are, what are your thoughts on this president? That was my other point, actually. What I realize is, since David Palmer, I haven't really enjoyed any of the other presidents. I think Wayne Palmer was kind of cool, but everyone else has kind of been like douchebaggery. Yeah, but this this president, I, I kind of I like her. I, she hasn't fully grown on me yet, but she's definitely been better than any president we've had since David Palmer as a viewer. I feel. I don't, I don't know. know. There, there's something about her face that it always looks like she has a little smirk on her face, which is kind of getting to me. I don't think she has a smirk on her face. I think she's like a concerned. Per, I don't know. No, but it, it's not. She doesn't have a smirk on her face, but something about the way her face is built that's makes me think that she's smirking or something so she's in this huge meeting about how people are going to die and she has this stupid little smirk on her face it's really getting to me no i i see that as a look of concern all the time nah would you rather have her or hillary clinton as president this this shouldn't even be a contest anarchy you really don't like her i don't like her well you're just wrong 
Not to mention her, her husband's running around and killing people. What the hell's going on in this White House? Uh, agree to disagree. Pretty sure San Diego means whale's vagina, but we'll agree to disagree. On to the main portion of our program, the Super Bowl preview. We have fans of the two separate teams, a diehard Steeler fan in Mr. Fred Pineda, and a one-week fan of the Arizona Cardinals for this weekend's sake, in yours truly, VCD. You why, do, have any why, 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 why does my whole name go out there for everybody to steal my identity? <laughs> because who's going to mess with Fred Pineda? That's just, like, you know, so badass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just... Voicing, You're making this harder on yourself. To I'm edit. Vo- voicing my objection to, to, to this entire podcast. I'm not a fan of the podcast. <laughs> you know, I'm a fan of more popular podcasts. <laughs> all, right. All, right. all right. All right. All right. Back to... So, uh, back to the... Thing. All right. So the main storyline we've got is obviously Ken Wisenhunt. The offensive coordinator of the Steelers during the 2005 run, he coached Ben Roethlisberger and that offense to capitalize. And really, really, they were a dominating offense during that postseason run. They had some great trick plays, especially in the Super Bowl with Randall L. And uh, he, he really maximized the talent on that roster. And so right now, he has a thorough understanding of what the Steelers' offense is built around. So how do you think the Steelers are going to going to respond to this? Well, the main difference with the offense right now is that it went from the hands of the offensive coordinator into mainly Big Ben's hands, or at least that's the way that they sold it initially. So mm-hmm. that's that's probably going to be a big difference. I don't know if Wisenhut really knows how this new offense is going to work. You know, it has most of the same personnel, but... During Wisenhunt's reign, and were you know his his little stint as offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. he had full control of of this offense. Yeah. Whereas now Ben has more of an input to the point where he eventually calls some of the plays, and you know has developed into that. So I think I mean, another key key thing is Willie Parker really wasn't wasn't in the picture during the 05 Super Bowl run. Right, I mean, he he had a he had a breakout game in the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but even now, I don't I I wouldn't put that much on Willie Parker. It, yeah, the, I don't know if they're going to be able to establish the run game. That's why I just they want to at least. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they will try. They have tried all year long, but with that offensive line, who knows what'll happen? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, when Roethlisberger was asked that same question that I just asked you, his response was, the coaches can only do so much, and fundamentally it comes down to the players. So right. the players have players have to win the game on the field, regardless of who the coaches are on either sideline. I mean, but, so I, thought, I thought that's good. I mean, it's, it's a good point. you you got yeah. to win the game on the field. Right. Even more than the Wizenhunt story, I think there's a lot of talk about him and his getting his revenge for not being Steelers head coach. I think it's more Russ Grimm that has this little vendetta because Wisenhunt knew from the beginning when he talked to the Rooney's that he was not going to be the head coach when they told him, we're not going to give you a decision within the next however many days Wisenhunt wanted to know. 
But Russ Grimm was a front runner up to the night before Tomlin was announced as, as the head coach. Yeah, I wonder if the Rooney Rule really uh, saved Tom. Like, I wonder if Tomlin would have even been interviewed if it wasn't for the Rooney Rule. You know? Yeah, you, for, you gotta wonder. And, and there was, of course, there was a lot of rumors about how the commissioner called up Rooney the night before the decision was going to be made, telling him, you know, the rule is named after you, so yeah. maybe you should go with with an yeah. African American head coach. So. Yeah. Well, even if they wanted Graham Moore, you can't argue with Tomlin's results so far. So uh, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, ever since his first press conference, I fell in love with the guy. He's brought a whole new attitude and something that a lot of people have been talking about, how usually when a coach takes over a team, yeah. it's still a lot of people would still talk about this as mainly Bill Cowher Steelers, but I think Tomlin has has brought this philosophy with him, this attitude with him, that you can definitely say that this is Mike Tomlin's Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Cowher was a great coach, but if Tomlin wins a Super Bowl or two, it kind of takes away a little bit from Cowher's Super Bowl. A right. little bit. Yeah. You know, obviously he's got a great regular season record, but time and time again he could not get it done in the playoffs until he got until he got LeBeau, you know, so. Well, and you think about it, think about the <clears throat> the quarterbacks that Cowher had to work with. I mean, that's, that's, true. that's, that's true. also pretty, pretty terrible what happened there in the 90s in Pittsburgh. That's true, but... I just think a lot of the credit has to go to Dick LeBeau. I don't care who, and, I, and I'm not singling out the Steelers. I think fundamentally sports and football, it really comes down to how good are your coordinators because the coaches can only do so much. Yeah, it's, just, it's really all about the offensive and defensive coordinator. That's what, yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the Cardinals a little bit. A couple interesting facts I just wanted to throw out at you. Uh, first one. The Cardinals this year are twelve and one when they run the ball nineteen times or more, and wow. they're zero and, and they're zero and six when they don't. So I think that speaks volumes right there. Nineteen times, okay. Yeah, if they get if they get Arrington, if they get James Hightower, if they get those carries, I mean, a lot of times these stats are a little bit misleading because you're going to run out the clock when you have the lead. Right. But the fact that they're zero and six when they don't run it at least nineteen times means that. If if they become one dimensional, it's going to be easy to stop them, especially with a great defense like what the Steelers have. Um, so, the, the one thing that I, I really find interesting—not so many people talk about the Steelers secondary—but what I love is they've got a, a true number one cornerback in, in Ike Taylor. But between McFadden, Gay, and, and Townsend, they've got three cornerbacks who are all the caliber of a number two cornerback. So a lot of times. They're able to shut down the third and fourth receiving option. You saw Flacco all day; had no idea what to do with him, with the ball. He just there's no one open. So the the Steelers are very deep in their talent level. I don't think they have any. They don't have like two Pro Bowl cornerbacks or two elite cornerbacks, but they just have crazy depth. And yeah. I think that that could help a lot with the, with what the Cardinals are going to be throwing at them. And I don't think that's just the secondary. I think that's the entire defense. The depth is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean they they didn't they didn't miss a skip a beat when uh, Kiesel was injured earlier in the year and missed a couple games and they were still a dominant defense. So here's here's the thing I'm just gonna throw at you. I've commented multiple times on the podcast how I've been really impressed by the Cardinals' offensive line play, especially right. as of late. Here's the thing: that Russ Grimm, who's the offensive line coach, also coached the Steelers' offensive line, Correct. and I'm sure I'm sure he had a lot of practice. Coaching against Casey Hampton and Aaron Smith during the weekly practices, so I'm sure he's got a little bit of a clue as to their their strengths, their weaknesses. How can we properly block 
uh, these mammoth guys on the defensive line for the Steelers. So, uh, you know, any team any team can score a lot of points, but when when you've got coaches who know the Steeler players that intimately, it really becomes a, a true chess chess match. Right. In my opinion. Right. Uh, the other stat I wanted to throw at you. One second. Here we go. The 2008 Cardinal team is averaging more points per game in the postseason than the 99 Rams and the 2000 Rams. The current Cardinal team is averaging 31 points per game. Those two teams average 30 and 29. So when I, I the first podcast, I remember I said, you know, this, this team reminds me of those Rams. They score a lot of points. They don't care how many you're going to score. They're just going to score more. And uh, they've demonstrated that on the field. It's, I mean, as much as you want to say you got the number one defense, it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of the people, a lot of people are projecting a high-scoring game. It, it's very rare that you've got the number one defense projected to be in a high-scoring game. Whether they win or lose, you know, we'll see what happens. But the fact that people are expecting points to be scored speaks volumes as to how good this Cardinal offense really is. So one thing that I want to say just in general about the Super Bowl was I, it's it's kind of weird this year. As a Steelers fan, of course I'm excited, but it's not the same as 2000, the 2005 season when it had been 10 years, you know, listening to that song, the hero yeah. of the Steelers waiting for one for the thumb. It was kind of 10 years of anticipation, uh, so many championship games that we lost right after losing that terrible one to the Patriots in 2004 too so exactly there was so much anticipation that I don't I don't know if I was ready for this I think I'm still in shock that it's happening again so soon mm-hmm. but it, it definitely has a weird feeling I think it's interesting how it's really the exact opposite situation because you were the number six seed or the first number six seed to go as far as you did right and now you're kind of the only fine you were the only uh, top two seed from either conference to even make it to the championship game, so you were you're, essentially you've been the favorites for the last two or three weeks. Right. So it's a very different feel going into the Super Bowl than what you had in '05. Yeah, and I mean the and and the problem with facing the Cardinals is that there's no real feel for them having exactly. having never won a Super Bowl. So there's no, you know, there, there's not that general interest. I think. In terms of being uh, maybe a general fan, maybe you wouldn't be so interested in this game as if, I don't know, the Eagles make it or nothing compared to last year, definitely. Last year was crazy because of the undefeated streak on the line, but I think this, this year has the appeal of the of the Cinderella team that's never, that's been so bad right. for so long that a lot of neutral fans are going are gonna to watch for that, for that reason at least. It's just... And- it's just weird that you can't really get a feel for it. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You don't have two classic teams. The Giant, the Giants, and Patriots were two two classic teams last year. Colts and Bears were two classic NFL teams. The Cardinals really are the opposite of a classic NFL team. So I mean, they, they, they've been around hard. long enough, but just... they've been around, but they just really they don't. You don't really think of the Arizona Cardinals when you think of NFL right. football teams, right? Yeah. But you know, hey, they're here to make a name for themselves. So we'll see if they live up to that challenge or not. Uh, this is this is their this is their moment, you know. So uh, I don't know if, whether they take advantage of it or not is uh, yet to be determined. Right. Anyway, it's, it's, I'm sure you'll, you'll get bogged down with Super Bowl talk all week. So maybe we'll let's touch up on some miscellaneous things. But we were uh, thinking we we're talking about this a little bit earlier. How 
the last few years, you know, really since the inception of the Super Bowl, it's essentially been rotated between Los Angeles, San Diego, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, and all these warm weather climates. But recently there have been more uh, indoor stadiums, retractable roofs, all that kind of stuff. And Indianapolis is, is scheduled to have a Super Bowl fairly shortly. What, what do you think about a wider array of possible Super Bowl locations. This stat that I found interesting was that 25 out of 42, as of today, uh, Super Bowls have been played in either New Orleans, Miami, or L.A. So that's three cities that have had 25 out of 42 of the Super Bowls. Exactly. So exactly. I think the NFL should really start spreading this around. And, I, and like you said, they, they are starting to. We had uh, Detroit in 2006. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Indianapolis in 2012. So it's going back to Texas next year. I don't know, two years from now it's going back to Texas. Yeah. It's Miami again next year, so. But I yeah. just think it would be so crazy if a team got a home game in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You got it. Oh, man. That, that would the be odd, ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what. The other team would be so, so pissed. So pissed. You know, like they'd get complaints to the commissioner and like everything, but. I guess it's one of those things where if it happens, it's just bad luck. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. This is set years yeah. in advance, so. Yeah, it, I, that would, I would just feel so sorry for a team like that. Yeah. Uh, here's an, another little tidbit I had for you. Do you know what the biggest investment bank is in the country right now? Nope. With the, with the collapse of the Giants, with Goldman and uh, all, the, all the banks technically becoming deposit-taking banks, Right. The biggest, the biggest investment bank is Raymond James. Oh, really? Yep, yeah, Raymond James Stadium is the. You know, that's the biggest, biggest investment bank in the world. I bet you no one knows that fact unless you you literally work in the banking world. And even if you work in the banking world, you may not know that. It's a really fun tidbit there. It shows you how awful, uh, how many banks have collapsed uh, since uh, September. Yeah. So uh, there, I've uh, read some stuff. There's a lot of random. A lot of random things going on at at Raymond James Stadium this week. They have like Buccaneer Buccaneer players coming in signing autographs. They have all they have. I've heard there were thousands of TV screens with all kinds of different stuff going on all over the stadium. So it's probably it's probably a pretty cool place to be around right around now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something. That's part of why I think the NFL should should bring this around the country because. Definitely. There's definitely. so many people that will never be able to fly to a Super Bowl or even just yeah. to be there that city. But if it happens to be in your town, I mean, yeah. I would love to just go and do random things, you know. Yeah, even, it's not, even if it's not the Super Bowl itself, it probably doesn't cost money right now to just see what's going on with those festivities, stand in line for half an hour, get an autograph from one of your favorite players. Even if your team has nothing to do with the Super Bowl itself, it's just all about the event, you know. It's all about the atmosphere. Right. So I think it's a really cool opportunity, and um, I hope maybe, maybe one day we'll see it in the Northeast. I mean, is, is the new New York Stadium going to be going to have a retractable roof? I don't, I don't remember. I should probably look into that. Yeah, because that would be that would be the only stadium, right? In the northeast. Yeah, because yeah, Foxborough is open. Uh, nothing else is. Washington. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's. Yeah, well, I guess I guess Indianapolis is close for you. Yeah, Indianapolis is close here to Chicago, so. Got to hope for a Steelers Super Bowl in. Yeah, that would be nice. You 12. know, a little two-hour two-hour trip or something like that. Three-hour. What one for the other index finger? Yeah, that, that's also the problem is I don't think the Pittsburgh people had enough time to come up with the slogan for this one. 
Actually, so, there were one of the stores in downtown, a few like a block away from my office, was blasting the one of the Pittsburgh fight songs on repeat. I literally heard it when I went for the lunch, and then later when I was going to my bus after work. It was hilarious. Nice. So that's the mood in downtown Pittsburgh. Up to the minute. Updates on the Godwin podcast. Yeah, there was also um, apparently the. I didn't really understand what happened, but the Steelers fans in Mexico City got a little bit crazy. So they were playing. They were this weekend. They were playing uh, football games in, in the streets and closing off streets just to play football and stuff. That's crazy. And they called the police. And when the police left, uh, the fans renamed one of the streets Dick LeBeau. <laughs> so they just put little signs over every every street sign in that street to saying Dick LeBeau. That's great. That's I would great. love to see an NFL Mexico. Or like an NFL North America with Mexican teams and Canadian teams or something. That would be interesting. Really yeah. spread the popularity of the sport. Yeah, I think, and I, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, yeah. you already have Canadian football, so you can tap into that market. And in Mexico, yeah. you have a big following of college ball. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a thing to look forward to. They're definitely trying to internationalize the sport as much as possible. Right. And I think they I think they should have more games in places like I don't know, like I'm not a big fan of playing in London. Play it all over the place. Why it's gotta be London every yeah. time. Move it around, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they had it once in Mexico City, that was the first year of taking an international and then uh London now uh, three times in a row, so yeah, try to move it around. Even if it's Canada, even if it's Brazil, you know, whatever. Just there are fans all over the world, and I think it it's a good thing for the sport, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. All right, the final segment of our podcast brought to you by Fred himself. All right, so we all remember the little Michael Vick fiasco. Yes, Mister Ron Mexico. Correct. Uh, I'm not really sure of what the terms were of his, uh, you know, his sentence and whatnot, but there was some stuff with PETA. Okay. And there was, one of them was this animal empathy test that Michael Vick had to take, and he, the the results were released last week by PETA, and they okay. put the entire test on their website. So, first of all, he scored a 73.5 out of 100, so I don't know what, what, what that qualifies him as. I guess that's a passing C? C grade? I, I don't know what PETA standards are here, but... Okay. It could be worse. It could be worse. All right, continue. But the funniest part of this is that they, they put the entire test on their website, so you can just download it, and it's handwritten by Michael Vick, what questions they asked him, <laughs> and what, what what he answered. Um, and I'm looking at, for a couple quotes here, because there, there are some pretty, pretty funny stuff. So one of his answers, it was... Um, to a question asked him about a video that he had watched about animal cruelty, I guess. Okay. Not, and the last question, the last uh, sentence of this answer was, "Chickens have an uncanny ability to think and are very agile. They are very athletic to me after watching the video." So, <laughs> there's stuff like that, and let me just pull up another one here. The dirty bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because. It just really, it's really funny because it's something that maybe you would expect from a sixth grader to answer some questions about, you know, what what, what does this story show to you, or what do you think? Do, do animals have feelings? How should you treat <laughs> animals? 
Oh man. You know that officials are just having fun by posting this on the internet. Oh, yeah. Like look at the look at this asshole. We're gonna give him as much crap as possible by posting all his ridiculous answers on the internet. Here here are his thoughts on loyalty. So he says, My Aunt Tina own a Roddy named Tilo. Once my aunt once my aunt and her boyfriend, Wayne, was having an intense fight. Uh, I guess did I say Tico or Tino? I don't know what the name of the well, Tina? I don't know. Tina was the aunt. Uh, Tico's the dog. Tico, okay. couldn't, Tico couldn't get into the house and thought my aunt Tina was in danger. She jumped through a glass window and pinned my aunt boyfriend, Wayne, to the ground, just <laughs> growling until my aunt called her off. Now that's loyalty. <laughs> and this was read verbatim. <laughs> so wow. I think wow. For, for posting this on their website and just making Michael Vick go through all this, because now they're also, they also have a... A petition on their website to try and get the NFL to submit Michael Vick to MRIs and PET scans to make sure that his brain functions in the same way as ours to to see if he is capable of having empathy towards animals. So I just think for putting him through all this and more than anything, making this public and just putting his answers out there, I say, I got to say, got him. Got him. Wow. So, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a disclaimer. I I honestly feel a little bit bad for Michael Vig, not because what he did is justifiable, just that there's so many people involved and it just seems like he's he's just getting piled on over and over again. Oh but, man, yeah. So I I encourage you to download this nine-page document from the PETA website. That's the first thing I'm doing. As soon as I as soon uh, as we wrap this one up. PETA.org. I haven't read it in its entirety, but it's it promises to be a good read. Most excellent. All right, Fred, it was a good talk, and I'll catch you next week. All right. And go Steelers. Go Cardinals. Go football. Thank you for downloading the Gotham Podcast. Half my life.